0: The reading today is from James, <coughs> chapter 5, verses 7 to 10, which can be p- found on page 1150 in the Church Bibles. Patience and Suffering. Be patient, then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop. Patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm before the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Now, please, if you're able, stand for the gospel reading, which is from Matthew. Uh, Matthew chapter 11, verses 2 to 11, which can be found on page 923. When John heard in prison what the Messiah was doing, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who has to come? Or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind. If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written. I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist, yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. This is the gospel of the Lord.
1: Would you sit down? Andrew, come and open this scripture to us. It's a privilege to be here uh, to speak to you this morning. Um, let's just pray, Heavenly Father. I pray that my words today will be from you, Lord. Lord, I pray that uh, Your Holy Spirit will be here and uh, to help this time. Amen. Okay. So, fortunately today, I've got the right gospel passage. Um, which has been a history <laughs> a bit of a trend recently for me. I've Getting the wrong passages, but I've got the right one today, so that's good news. Anyway, the Gospel passage today has John the Baptist front and centre. So I'll just do a quick recap on who John the Baptist was to make sure we're all on the same page. Well, he was born shortly before Jesus. And we see in the Gospel of Luke that Mary, the mother of Jesus, visits Elizabeth, who was pregnant with John the Baptist. Now, Mary had just been told that she will have Jesus And John the Baptist, while still in the womb, starts doing somersaults when Mary turns up. John's parents were told to bring him up as a a Nazarite. That means he was not to drink alcohol or have his hair cut. He would be dedicated to God. We read in other gospel passages that he lived in the desert, surviving on honey and locusts while clothed in camel hair. See, John was a prophet in a similar manner to those in the Old Testament, such as Isaiah and Ezekiel. He was called by God and often lived apart from the people and candidly was a bit strange. Now not all prophets need to be like that fortunately, but the Old Testament ones commonly were. John also called out people. He pointed out things that were wrong, a bit like the Old Testament prophets used to do that. He called them out when they weren't living as God intended. He called the Pharisees and Sadducees a brood of vipers, not really a way to win friends and influence people but he knew the Messiah was coming. In Matthew 3, we read, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand. He will clear the threshing floor, gather his wheat into the barn, and burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Now, quite how much he knew of Jesus when John was growing up is up for debate. This is in the days before Facebook, so whilst John was growing up in the wilderness, he wouldn't have been getting status updates from Jesus. (laughs) We can now read, though, in Luke, that Jesus grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. But John wouldn't necessarily have known that. So when he, Jesus, comes to be baptised, John recognizes him as a righteous teacher. Because he says, I should be baptized by you. But I would say it wasn't until the dove came down from heaven and God says, this is my son, that the penny finally dropped for John. Because John the Baptist is recorded in John's gospel as saying, look, the Lamb of the God who takes away the sin of the world, this is the one that I meant when I said, a man comes after me who surpassed me because he was before me. That's what he says after the baptism, not before the baptism. So before the baptism, he would have known of Jesus, but not necessarily known that that was the man who was the Son of God. After baptizing, he does. So let's fast forward to the passage today. We see John the Baptist in prison. Now he's been there because he's been criticizing this calling out the behavior of King Herod. Now, this is a different Herod from the Christmas story. That used to confuse me as a kid because I couldn't understand why he'd have two King Herods, but now I do understand that. Um, but he's not really much of an improvement on the previous King Herod. He's taken his brother's wife, called Herodias, and is now living with her. Both Herodias' wife and Herodias' husband are still alive. So John the Baptist was put into prison for calling out, highlighting the king's adultery. Now, it was Herodias who was most upset about this. She was nursing a grudge of being labeled as an adulterer and wanted Herod, uh, John killed. Now, plot spoiler here, she does get away in chapter 14 and John is beheaded. But in chapter 11, we see John in prison. He's been there for about 12 to 18 months. Now, during that time, you can see how John kind of lost some hope how he could have felt isolated from what is going on in Israel. It's easy to forget now that we have the whole story written down in the four gospel books. We know what has happened, but John is languishing in prison. We know the ending now and what Jesus was doing and preaching. Now, John would have heard those some of those things, but he would not have had a chance to see them for himself. The prophet that prophesied the forecoming of Christ was prevented from seeing some of the fulfillment of the prophetic words that he had proclaimed. How bad bad was it? Well, imagine a politician you don't particularly like. You might even despise their policies and behavior. Now picture yourself being kept in their house, being brought out when they want to talk to you, and all the time you prefer to be outside getting on with your life's calling. Perhaps it's easy to see why John had lost his hope and was wondering about the things whilst in prison. Now, whilst he'd been having visits from his disciples, he would not have had a chance to see the things for himself. I suggest to you he was in a real place of doubt. We see that in verse 2. When John was in prison and heard about the things of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask, Are you the one who is come, or should we expect someone else? He sends his disciples to ask Jesus if he's the one. And Jesus is clear with him. He is the one. He is the Messiah. And that the the people of Israel have been waiting for. He is the son of God. He tells of teachings, dead being raised and good news being preached. He actually goes on to validate John before the crowds. See, I suggest that John could have been losing hope whilst he's been sitting in prison. He's only human after all. Here is a man who was at home in the desert, preaching to any that came to see him, baptizing them and encouraging them to repentance. Now he being kept in a pet of a, in the household of a less than honorable king, who's hardly the type of character that a Nazarite would want to be around. See, John loved being around those who sought repentance, but he called the Pharisees a brood of vipers, they were not seeking repentance." The loss of hope can significantly impact on a person. John had had hope. He'd seen Jesus affirmed by God at the time of baptism. But now he's asking if he's the one. I suggest he'd lost some of that hope that he had. The impact of the loss of hope can be huge. When hope is lost on the battlefield, soldiers will stop their advance and will shelter in any form of protection. The role of officers is to galvanize them, to give them hope and encouragement, to get them moving again. The loss of hope is a major cause of depression. You, you can quickly go from having hope to losing it, and that can impact on your very being. The, the author, Layla Gifty Akita, says that without hope, we fail to exist. What hopes have you had? Life, love, friendship, health, wealth, that promotion at work, the plants grow in your garden. It can be a whole range of things. See, the concept of hope pervades our culture, our books, our cinema and life. Commonly, films are written where hopes that are held at the start of the film get lost and then the hero wins at the end. Whether it's Star Wars, Toy Story, James Bond, or It's a Wonderful Life all have moments when it seems that all hope is lost and the world is closing in. Then hope comes back and all is good. I suggest that John was in that place where he needed hope. We, in the same way, can be in a place of hope lost. What is the response to that? How do you regain hope or encourage someone else who has lost hope? I suggest a little TLC. T stands for truth. Jesus speaks truth to John through the disciples. He tells him things that have been seen, things that are facts. These are truths. The blind have got their sight. The lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. Deaf hear. Dead raised. These are facts. But they're also not just facts. They demonstrate the L, love. See, Jesus heals out of his love and his compassion. Matthew 14, 4 says Jesus landed and saw a large crowd and had compassion on them and healed them. In John 11, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead and John records that Jesus wept. He was deeply moved and troubled. He was moved and impacted by how the death of Lazarus had affected Mary, the sister of Lazarus. Words of truth need to be spoken in love. Without love, they can hurt and condemn. Condemned. I suggest Jesus wanted John to know the truth of what he was doing and want to remind him how he was operating out of love. But Jesus goes one stage further. He closes his encouragement with a challenge, the sea, an exaltation. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Jesus is encouraging him to hold true to the faith, to not fall away when the going gets tough. Jesus challenges John to a goal to look forward. Now, one of my favorite films, albeit a rather brutal one, is Saving Private Ryan. The opening scene is reckoned to be one of the most realistic representations of Normandy landings and battlefield conditions there is. There is a section there when all the troops are on the beach, and it is an absolute slaughter. Soldiers are dying. The advance has stalled, and hope is lost. What does Captain Miller do? He gives them some TLC, the truth. He says, we stay here, we are dead men. That was the truth. Just telling them that demonstrates his care for them. He wants them to survive. He wants them to succeed. He has compassion for them. He is speaking truth. He does it, does it in love. He does not leave them to face it alone. He is leading them. He doesn't want them to become dead men. He gives them then the challenge, clear the beach. Now, some still die, but he gets the rest off the beach. Hope is again restored. They have a focus. The giving of an appropriate challenge at the right time to those who've lost hope can help lift the focus. It can give a new goal to move from a position of hopelessness to a positive new goal. The goal can lift the gaze, take the vision from the problem towards a solution, a brighter place. Now there was a great post on Facebook that I read this week, and I'll read it to you. I know good, kind, and generous people who will be devastated by the election results. I know good, kind, and generous people who will be celebrating. I wouldn't have chosen this election outcome, but I refuse to give up hope that we can build a good, kind, and generous society. Elections are only one way to change things. We still need to feed the hungry, help the poor, welcome the stranger, care for creation, house the homeless, tend the sick, speak up for the voiceless, comfort the bereaved, time to get stuck in. Light is stronger than darkness. Now, the reply from our very wise vicar was, our mandate as Christians and as good citizens is unchanged. We deal in hope. See, we have a hope, a sure and certain hope based on Jesus. He is the author and perfecter of our faith. We can be confident in him and have hope in him. We look to him. But what if you're struggling today with hope, hope that you feel has been lost? I encourage you to get some TLC. And I'll start it, because here is some truth. Jesus, born of Mary, the sinless Lamb of God, came to earth, lived as a man, healed the sick, raised the dead, was crucified for your sins, rose from the grave, and has ascended into heaven. Some love. He did all that because he loves you. He loves the world. He loves the poor, the sick, the grieving. He also loves the rich, the healthy, and those who are celebrating. What about a challenge? He sets this challenge to you, to be different, to repent, be baptised, to be transformed, to be salt to those who need flavour in their lives, to be light to those in darkness, to be a friend to those who are lonely, to be generous to those in need, and to hold on to him whilst you're doing all of that. So I'd encourage you today, if you feel that you've lost hope, get prayer today. Let this season of hope and celebration be that for you. I encourage you after communion to get the prayer, to seek those who can support you in truth, love, and a challenge. And whatever your state of hope at this time, Jesus does not want you to be hopeless, but to have that sure and certain hope that only he can bring. As we look to see Jesus, we see a new hope. We cling to truth, receive love, and prepare to be challenged.